take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of payday someday. Payday someday. We like to work, and at the end of the week, like to get paid. Well, generally, that's the way it works. Some people like to get paid, even if they don't do any work. You know, they want that job that starts at 12 o'clock, and they get off at 1 o'clock and have an hour for lunch. And of course, there's a lot of people going to school today and trying to get some degrees so they can go out and get that job that the people who already had the degree have lost because there was no work. We live in some tough times, and uh, I believe that it's going to get worse. I'd like to say I think it's going to get better. There are those who teach that we are going to bring in a millennium into this world of peace and prosperity and that science is going to have the answer to everything, prolong life, and we're just going to have it made. And that we're going to do away with all wars. You know, the war to end all wars. We've had two wars like that. Didn't work yet. And we're sitting on a powder cake today. Things are ready to explode high and wide. But we try to figure out how do we solve problems. The Bible put it this way. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Seeing those things that are coming up on the earth. Now you and I are not supposed to live in fear. We're not supposed to be afraid. We know that things are going to get bad. We know that this isn't all there is. We know there's more than this. So I want to kind of explain a few of these things to you this morning. And uh, it might help you to be able to face life a little bit better. At least I hope it does. Second Corinthians in chapter 5. And you'll notice there is a couple of scriptures that talks about the ministry of reconciliation. It's a judgment. Something that took place. Can people live like they please and get away with it? Can we, even in America, can we violate the laws of God and get away with it? It seems like everybody thinks we can. We can just do whatever we want to do and the will of the majority. So we always make our decisions based upon what does people want. So we have politicians that says, I will represent you. You just tell me what you want. And so whoever has the most people on a particular opinion, then that's how they'll vote. I think that stinks, myself. I think we ought to have men of character that know right from wrong, and that's where they stand. It doesn't matter how many people are for it or against it. Is it right? Is it right? They don't know the Constitution today, evidently, they've never read it. And so many people don't make wise decisions. But here in the book of Corinthians, I want you to see this. Look there in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, motivates us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So we're going to be talking about judgment. Payday someday. And there's things that God says that have to be paid. That people can't just do whatever they want and get away with it. So the Lord evidently keeps the books. And He keeps the books on everybody's actions. What they say and 
what they do. He says, in the last days, the books will be open, and every man will be judged according to his deeds. The book of uh, Matthew chapter 12 talks about every idle word will be brought into judgment. So uh, it doesn't look like everybody can just do whatever, and it doesn't matter. Everything matters. So he says in verse 15, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So in this verse, is telling you and I, not only should we trust Christ as our Savior, but it is to affect the way we live. Look at it again. That they which live should not henceforth, from now on, live unto themselves. So it's telling us what we're supposed to do and not to do. Look at what he says. Live unto this, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So the Lord is telling everyone who trusts Christ as Savior to live for him. You're not to live for yourself. That means that you have to live by faith looking forward to the day when he's going to pay you. There's a payday coming. Now, payday for the believer is not here in this life. You know, I did something good, run to the mailbox and pick up my check. You may serve the Lord all your life, but payday's not in this life. You may enjoy a few blessings along the way and a lot of hardship. But I just found out last night about 10 o'clock, a good friend of mine named Mike Schaefer married Dr. Stanford's daughter. And she has got cancer. And so they sent out an email for people to pray for them. So I wrote her back a thing last night, and I says, we must always see the rainbow through the rain. To see the rainbow through the rain. In other words, believing that God's promises, regardless of how dark and black it may look at the time, His promises will always be there, and God cannot lie. And God will keep His word. Now notice what he says in verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Because he was here in the flesh, but he's not here anymore in the flesh. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. The new birth, and everything that comes with it, it's all new. You were a child of the devil, and going to hell. That old condition has changed and passed away. God now sees you as his child, and all things have come new. You got a new birth. You got a new name. A whole bunch of things that happens because now you're his child. But God says from henceforth, now on, we're not to live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us. And get what he says in verse 18 now. And all things are of God, these new things he talks about. Even you'll see that in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. But it says, Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he took the payment and became the payment for all the sins of the world. Because you see, we committed the sin and everybody has sinned. So Christ died for our sins on the cross. So he took our judgment. He paid our price. He redeemed us. So all those who accept Christ as their Savior, the payment He made is put to their account. 
So we have been reconciled back to God. You see, I was an enemy of God. Me and God couldn't live together, walk together, talk together. We could not get along together, and I couldn't go there. But Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid for my sins. I accepted that, and so therefore the Father can accept me because I accepted His Son. And God sees me in His Son. His Son did this for me. So I have been reconciled to God. We're not enemies anymore. I am His child. And because I am a child of God, I have been reconciled to God. And that's why He says in the book of Romans, you have peace with God. Peace has been made because of the payment Christ made on the cross for every individual. And God says He has given to you and I the ministry of reconciliation. It means that we can go into all the world and tell every individual in the whole world they can be reconciled back to God because of the payment Christ made on the cross. So you have a ministry. I have a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Look what he says here. He makes the statement in verse 18, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And get this, and you ought to underline this in your Bible, hath given to us. Now, this is the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, in verse 19, tells you what it is. To wit, or to witness to this fact, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses. Now, that says the same thing in the book of Romans, in chapter 4, verses 5, down to verse 8. But get what he says here. He says, not imputing their trespasses, their sins, unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So then, you and I have been made an ambassador for Christ. So God left us in this world, and we are here as his ambassadors. We are from another country. We're only here temporary. And we are representing Him. So He says, go into all the world, and He has given to you and I the ministry of reconciliation. And so we have the ministry of reconciliation of the Word. So we're to use the Word of God to let people know what He's done for them. Because Christ took the judgment, the payment, the penalty for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So that's what he has already done. Now look what he says in verse 20. Now then, we are, and you ought to underline these words, we are ambassadors. Now if you understand who you are and what you are, you are a child of God. What will help you to know how you're to live and what you're to focus upon is to realize, why did God leave you here? How does he see things? He sees you in this life, as his ambassador. You do not represent you. You represent him. So you're not to do anything that brings any shame upon him or that country where we're going to. Because we're, in God's eyes, from that country. We're here in this country. Just like we have ambassadors from all around the world who come to this country. And we have ambassadors here They go to other countries. And they're given what they call immunity. 
Sometimes they can do anything they want and you can't touch them. Well, we are citizens of two countries, but that's another sermon. Look there in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ did be you reconciled to God. In other words, reconcile this in your mind that when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you had peace made between you and God. And now that message, that word, that helped you to see it and understand it, God says, I want you to explain this to other people. That's why for years, as much as I could with whatever money I've ever had, I've always put it back into people, reaching kids for the Lord. Whether it was uh, the bus ministry or taking kids to camp or the youth ministry we had or starting a Bible college or a Christian school or having the radio broadcast, the TV ministry we had for years, all of it because we have been given a ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people back to God because of the payment that He made on the cross. Now look what He says in verse 21. For He hath made Him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So in Him, God has given to you His righteousness. So whenever I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was placed by the Holy Spirit in Him, and in Him, God cannot see me. I am hid, and my life is hid in Christ. And therefore, because I am in Christ, having His righteousness, I am good enough to go to heaven, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the payment Jesus Christ made on the cross for me. So that is the ministry of reconciliation, because Christ took our judgment on the cross. Now look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. Now that you know Christ is your Savior, you know that you're going to heaven, you and I are supposed to understand that you and I are going to have a payday. But when he talks about the chastening of his children, he doesn't talk about chastening us when we get to heaven. He talks about chastening us while we're here. So you'll notice what he says. And look there in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself. Now the reason you study the Bible is so that you can discern right from wrong. Now if you use your own judgment, you're going to justify things God condemns. You're not going to see it the way God does. So whenever you don't read the Bible or you don't go to church, you will use your own reasoning, your own logic. And there is a way that seems right unto a man, but it's just not the truth. And therefore you will excuse or accuse unjustly. And so God says you study His Word so that you can examine yourself and you're not capable of examining yourself without knowing the Word so that you can discern the right and the wrong of things based upon how God sees it. So he says, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is talking about the communion service. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily because he doesn't discern it. In the last part of that verse says, not discerning, not discerning the Lord's body. 
But there's many areas in our life that we may not be able to discern. You may know Christ as your Savior, but you can't discern whether or not do I take this job or I take this job. Do I marry this girl or don't marry this girl? How do I raise my kids? You say, I have raising kids, no problem. You don't have any teenagers yet. You'll learn. You may think you have it all down until you wind up with some kids. And they'll teach you what you don't know. And you need discernment. You need to know the Word of God. And God's Word will help you. But now get what he says in verse 30. He says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means are dead. That means in this life. It means that you can't live as you please and get away with it. There is a price to pay. And God is going to chasten and discipline you and correct you. Now, he doesn't do that because he hates you. He does it because he loves you. And every son whom he receiveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. That's what the Lord says. So you need to know that and understand that because if you don't, you'll live your life in thinking that, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. Everything matters. Listen to me. Husbands, love your wife. And you need to study the Word of God to know how to love your wife. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. You have to be strong in the Lord to do that. That'll take a lot of the grace of God. And you want your children to obey you? Why should they obey you if you don't obey God? Why would you get upset with their disobedience and rebellion if you're rebellious yourself? Are you walking with God? Are you serving God? And then he makes a statement, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. That's written to the Christian, 1 John 1, 9. So that the Christian, in discerning his life, see the things that he does is not appropriate and will correct the problem. So he makes a statement there in verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But do you think he's talking about just judge yourself lightly or talking about judging yourself according to the truth of the Word of God? See, if you don't know the Word of God, you, you're not going to be a good judge. And in verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You see up here? During this time of our life, this is where we are right now. The last 2,000 years, called the church age. This is where we are. Now, we know that uh, the rapture is going to take place one of these days. But until then, we've got to live here in this body. And God says that the Christian is going to be chastened or disciplined because of the things that he says and does. So even though you don't always see the consequences of your sin or your rebellion, they are still happening and there's prices that you're paying. And maybe you don't think it's that bad. Until you get to heaven and you see what it cost you. There has been things that I was going to do for my one son. I had something that was really great, really special that I was going to do for him if he obeyed me. But because he did not obey me, I did not give him what I was going to give him. And it was good. And he would have loved it. But because of his rebellion, I did not give it to him. And I never told him about it. My son is now in heaven. He died when he was 28 years old. But he has no idea what he could have had if he had obeyed. I believe that there's a God in heaven that wants to bless us. But because of things that we think 
and ways that we act, He withholds them from us. And it didn't have to be that way. He says, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we don't ask the Lord for the things that we want and need and God would have given, but we didn't ask. Or we didn't meet the criteria. We didn't do what God wanted us to do. And so there's a price that we paid. And that's why I want the blessings of God upon my life. And so should you. So we know that this day is coming. I know that if I rebel against the Lord, I know that my heavenly Father, according to His Word, has to chasten and discipline me. So I know that I'm not here to live as I please, but for the one who died for me and came back again from the dead. When we leave this world, we're going to a place called the judgment seat of Christ. That is a rewarding stand where God is going to reward us for the things that we've done. Look there in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and look in verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look in verse 10. Every Christian needs to understand that there is going to be a judgment of the believer's works. So every believer is going to stand at the rewarding stand, the bema. It's a judgment. Not that we're going to be judged and have to pay a price, but to see what you could have had. To see what rewards God is going to give to you. To see how you're going to serve the Lord in the, the kingdom upon the earth. You see, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. So there's things God has prepared for them that love Him. And that means that there's some things that because people don't love the Lord, they're not going to get. So you're the one that decides for all eternity some of the things you're going to have and be able to do. You say, well, I don't see it and I don't understand it and it don't make any sense to me. I'm living for right now and do whatever I want to do. Okay, go ahead. But payday's coming. You're going to pay for that attitude. There's a price to pay for it. It's not going to come cheap. And that's why the Bible says that God is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. That doesn't take place upon the earth. That takes place when we're with the Lord. There's going to be a lot of grief with God's people when they see what they could have had or how they could have served the Lord and what position for eternity. That's why he says lay up treasure in heaven for you can't lose it. And yet there's God's children that think it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Everything matters. But nobody can make you love God. Nobody can make you serve the Lord. Nobody can make you real and genuine. You can be as hypocritical as you choose to be. You can fool everybody in this whole church. But the one that matters, you can't fool him. You can fool me. But I'm not the one that's going to reward you. I'm not going to give you any positions. When we get up there, I'm not doing anything for you and you're not doing anything for me. He's going to give you what you have earned, what you deserve. Getting there is by grace. What you have when you get there, you have to earn it. You have to deserve it. And if you don't deserve it, you're not going to get it. Rewards are earned. Salvation is a gift. It's free. Always keep 
salvation and service separate. Salvation is what Christ did for me. Service is what I do for Him. And so there's this judgment. Look there in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord says we're going to appear there. He also talks about when the rapture takes place, we're going to disappear here in the moment, the twinkling of an eye. So we're going to disappear and appear. You know, I can't wait to be able to do that. I wish I could do it now. I'd love to be standing up here right now and all of a sudden, hey, let me show you a trick. There's truths found in the Word of God and He says this, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That means in this life, in this body, according to that he hath done. You can't cut it any other way. And this is the judgment seat of Christ. This is in heaven. This is for every Christian. You're going to be rewarded when you get to heaven for what you've done in this body. And if you don't think it matters, do whatever you want. I'm greedy. I want all I can get. I want whatever God has for me. I want all the blessings I can get now. And I want all the rewards I can get when I get to heaven. Now, I can want all that and desire all that because God told me in His Word. But I would serve the Lord if I had not one blessing here and not one reward there. I'd want to tell people about this ministry of reconciliation. I have enjoyed for the last 40-something years telling people how to have eternal life. I haven't found anything in this whole world better to do with my life than that. There isn't anything better that a man can ever do and tell people how to have eternal life. And I know that when I get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven because they heard the gospel through my lips. They heard me. I opened my big mouth and I said something and they heard, they understood, and they trusted Christ as their Savior. You say, you're supposed to do it. You're a preacher. I became a preacher because I was doing that. I don't preach because, you know, it's just something I decided I'm going to do. I wind up doing this because I was a soul winner before. Anybody can do it. Just some people won't do it. But God hasn't called me. Yes, He has. You just won't obey. You just don't want to do it. You might be scared. Did you know if you let the fear stop you, it's costing. Every time you and I fail to do what God wants us to do, then there's a price to pay. But if we'll serve the Lord, we serve the Lord. Ka-ching. You're making an investment. Did you know the best investment you can ever make is in the souls of people? Because you see, when we get to heaven and you see the people that are reached because of your investment. Some people don't like investing in all the stuff that goes on in the world. And you can do some of that. But I would hate to think that's where all my money ever went. I've always put mine in the people, in people, in people. Because I want to see the results of what happens in people's lives. I want people to serve the Lord.